Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shah McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Ooh, I love that introduction. Hi, everybody. This is Shaw McCain talking to you live from Los Angeles, California, where it's a beautiful night here. And I'm telling you, it has been hot and sweltering and crazy. But tonight, it's just beautiful. It's perfect. And uh, it's a wonderful night to have our guest back for part two, Jeff Patrick. And I'll tell you a little bit about Jeff. Uh, He was born near Chicago, Illinois, and has loved horror films and literature, Halloween, vampires, werewolves, and monsters just since he was born. He's a staff writer for the indie magazine, The Hacker's Source, in the 2000s. And he started publishing his work on Amazon Kindle in 2012. He's an unrepentant rocker, metalhead. He loves his music. And Jeff is currently working on his new book, Dance of the Dead. And he's going to be reading from that, I hope, tonight. And it's soon to be published. And Jeff Patrick enjoys collecting books and horror film memorabilia, exploring old cemeteries. I still haven't gotten into that where he's going with that. And then uh, he likes to play keyboard and bass guitar. And he loves walking his dogs near his home in Tennessee. And this is part two of our interview because we were so rudely interrupted last time. So I'd like to welcome Jeff Patrick to the show. Okay. I will be welcoming him in just a second. It just uh, gave me a little uh, little problem here. Hi, Jeff. You got on the show. Hello, you're live. Hey. I'm here. Yeah, it, yeah. Did, Hi. It, it, <laughs> it did the uh, vicious circle of death again, and I think mm. I have, I see the glitch. So I really quick uh, reloaded it really fast, and... Uh, came back again so there's definitely something going on with this dang platform i don't know how to make them change it or what to do about it but anyway we're on and we're here and we're live how are you doing tonight i'm fine how are you thank you for having me you're very very welcome very happy to have you again because we were deep in our conversation last time and uh, we didn't even get to all the places i wanted to go but um what I thought was interesting and that I wanted to bring up is that why are you lurking around cemeteries? Because I have a lot uh, of friends doing that. I have a lot of friends doing well, that, so I just want to ask you why you're doing it. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I haven't done it in some time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I guess a historical merit behind it. And, yeah, it does kind of help set the mood if you're writing uh, scary stories or something like that. And, uh, uh <sighs> I suppose. I mean, you you know, sometimes it's. it's you know, I, I find it oddly tranquil, you know, peaceful. I mean, it's just you know, it's always quiet there, and I can think and everything. And it's, you know, I had some friends that were showing some of the the. Do you take pictures of the uh, headstones? I have, yeah. Again, I haven't done it in a while, but yeah, I have done it. 
Well, I have this these friends that have taken these pictures, and one was absolutely uh, beautiful. Uh, her name's Lori, but anyway, it was a picture of this dog that was on top of the, uh, you know, the crypt there. And mm-hmm. when you first look at it, it said, is this about a dog? No, it was about this little, it was a little boy. And he was only about five when he passed, and that was his dog. And I thought that was such a heartfelt and sweet oh, um, yeah. way to remember him, you know? Yeah. Oh, yes, very much so, yeah. Yeah, I it's like more uplifting. Own, uh... Exactly. Yeah, me yeah. too. That's yeah. the way I feel. I'd love to have my little statues of my critters with me, but I have a lot. But yeah. I have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, me too. A, a lot of the past animals, you know, of every kind, really. But um, so I, I was wondering about that because I really tried to avoid cemeteries uh, for the most part. <laughs> Really, I'm not. I'm yeah, not one yeah. to go to haunted. Ha- Even though I'm into the paranormal and all that, I'm not the one to go into haunted house voluntarily, or go into cemeteries or or go on haunted locations. I'm really. Uh, I have enough problems with them coming to me. You know, I'm not. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a medium. I'm not like that. But I have the departed come to me, and they they want they want to talk to me about stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. it's always, I know it's always very practical, meaning um, I've had people come to me before they pass. It's a very odd experience, and um, I don't know, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, so it's very hard to compare notes, but I've had people come to me as much as 30 days before they pass and talk to me about it, but they don't really talk to me. They show me like a picture of what they want. And then when right. I'm there, I I know, well, I had to inform, this is what happened. I had to inform my best friend, um, was sad that her, her father was going to pass. And she said, what do you mean? My father is like six years younger than my mother. I said, I know, but he came to me in a dream and he, he wanted this, this, and this. And it's it's like a big responsibility. And she said, well, when? I said, oh, I think 30 days. And I said, and somebody's in a path just before him because I saw him sort of kneeling over a grave. And it turned mm-hmm. out that it turned out that uh, he had a, a brain aneurysm in 30 days. Mm. And oh, wow. her sister-in-law had a brain aneurysm the week before. So he, she passed a week before he did. Her sis, young sister-in-law, they had two... Her brother had two little kids, and uh, she was a teacher. She passed, and then uh, her father passed. And so I'm at the funeral, right? So everybody's mm-hmm. crying like crazy because nobody expected it, even though I told him, but this is what's going to happen. Uh, I didn't know what to do with the information either. I was just like, well, okay. So I'm here at the funeral, and he was a military guy. And in the, and in the dream or whatever I had about him, he was kind of posing. So they were taking the casket out of the hearse, and uh, she looked like she was going to pass out. And uh, they wanted uh, they wanted pictures of the, the funeral and all that. So I, uh, I, I, she looked like she was going to drop the camera. I said, "Do you want me to take pictures?" So I ended up taking pictures because he had a lot of brothers in the military too. You know what I mean? So anyway, mm-hmm. so all of us taking pictures, and they had the military salute, and I'm taking pictures of everybody, and then uh, they fold the flag and they give it to her mom, 
and then when when that happened, and I just you know they put they took the the flag off the casket because they don't bury the flag, and they gave it to her mom. Right. Um, I started crying because I realized that's why he was posing in the dream because he knew I'd be taking the pictures. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It really flabbergasted yeah, yeah. me. And then he came after too, but I had enough of it. You know, I had to turn right. my back. He was standing right in front of me in his camel-colored coat, I had to turn my back. And he showed up to her mom the same way, in the same color jacket. But he was a young man, and he was okay, but I guess he wanted to say bye to everybody or something, you know? But mm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my experiences with this uh, the departed. It's quite different than what everybody I, you know, I have little control of what they tell me or when they're going to say it or what they're going to do. But it seems that uh, some mediums I know seem to know when to talk to them or something. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm afraid I don't really know a whole lot about that kind of. Uh, yeah, I mean, my nephew, my my sister's middle child. When he was little, like, say, under 10, he had, like, a couple who claimed to have had a couple, uh, you know, he claimed to have seen a Dixie, a dog that my family had, you know, after she had passed, he claimed to have seen her, like, you know, her her ghost or whatever in the yard. And, uh, he, okay, yeah, he, her he had he had met, you know, before she died. But uh, he also met, uh, claimed to have seen the, uh, he described a, a ghost of a man. He said, how you doing, little guy? You know, just kind of tousled his hair. And. The way he described him was my father's father, my paternal grandfather, who I mean, who passed away nine months before I was even born. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't kind of, seem to. But most what was what, what was most unsettling was uh, one time he was he started like un, un, crying uncontrollably. Uh, I, he, I I wasn't there. I heard I was I told I was told about it. He started crying uncontrollably and that's what was the matter. And he said. Uh, something's going to happen to Jamie that was my sister's then husband. And yeah, not very long, maybe a few months after that, he just suddenly died of a heart attack. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't had any, you know, now he's a teenager and he's in high school and all he hasn't had any of those, at least none that I, he's told me about or none that I've heard of. But, well, sometimes but yeah, I think, they, you know, go ahead. And my my paternal grandmother, when she passed away in 2003, my mother claimed she still kind of felt her presence, like about her house and everything. Still, like she was still just kind of making sure everyone was all right and everything was in order before she, uh, you know, went on to her went on to uh, the hereafter. Other than that, I personally have not had any really. I mean, you know, encounters with spirits or anything like that. I mean, none that I actually know. I mean, I've kind of seen some couple things I couldn't quite uh, rationally, you know, I mean, explain away, you know, easily enough, but, you know, yeah, nothing quite like, you know, what I've heard other people have had. Like what? Mm, Probably this, uh, there was, there's this, in Palmyra, Tennessee, there's this, uh, it's known as the Headless Statues, and yes, it's like an old Civil War cemetery you know there's like a, a general you know on his house or you know on his horse and the horse is rearing up and so you know like you know various soldiers and officers statues of them that every last one of them is missing its head 
No one knows why. <laughs> and uh, across the road from it, and it's a little, you know, a little ways inland. There's like a small path, and you can, from the road, you can see there's like this small. It kind of looks like a treehouse, and there's a statue. It, it looks like a statue of the Virgin Mary, but when you, but when I approach it, it's a, it turns and becomes a statue of Jesus Christ. It is really bizarre. Wow, how strange. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one time driving, I guess I worked, <laughs> usually worked a night shift for at least two-thirds of my adult life. I uh, was driving home, and usually kind of the biggest, you know, mammal, or at least, uh, you know, of the canine variety we have is uh, uh, coyotes. But this, what I saw, had to be as big as a pony. It looked like a wolf, and it was as big as a pony. Easy, and I don't necessarily anything paranormal, but it actually stopped and looked back at me, and uh, its eyes literally like glowed, like you know the fires of hell. I mean, it was you know a werewolf, what a hellhound. Well, wait a minute. How? What color was this? Color was uh, kind of like a gray, gray and brown, I guess. Maybe patches are. It was dark. I mean, I just kind of saw it on the edge of my headlights, you know. Wow. What color were oh, the no, eyes? Do you remember? Really? The eyes? They, they were red, yeah. I mean, that's what I saw. As I said, it was late at night and mostly dark. But yeah, where, the dark, where, where, like a, where were you when this huh? happened? Where were you when this happened? Yeah. It was, you know, Tennessee, you know, like on the highway, you know. Highway 79. I'm just, I'm just wondering, uh, that sounds like a little bit too big to be a coyote. Yeah, it was, yeah, and almost, and I, and I, I know wolves get pretty big, but I don't know, I don't think they get Yeah, they get big. Pony. Yeah. But, uh. Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, yeah, the, oh, and how could I forget? There was, uh. It was coming from my brother's second wedding. It was in in Chicago, well, Chicago suburbs, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you you probably at least heard of Resurrection Cemetery. Me I think so. Yes, I was I was the passenger, and we're driving by that cemetery, and I just happened to look at the rearview mirror, and I swore I saw a pair of hands reaching through the bars. And um, oh my god! Yeah, I mean. You know, I said, we need to, I think somebody's trapped in that cemetery. We turn around, but no, there was no, you know, couldn't find, didn't see anything. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, do we, <laughs> if we ought to call the police or what? Or, you know, we don't want to get busted for, you know, a false alarm or something like that. But no, I, I've come to read since then. I am not the only person who has ever seen that. But that's, that's probably my biggest, you know, paranormal experience. Yeah, that's, uh, I was I was wondering about the uh, cryptozoology uh, because uh, Linda Godfrey has spoken about these really huge wolves and people are reporting them uh, in the oddest of places, like places where they don't belong. And I yeah. did have a I had an experience with a big huge wolf, but if I tell you, you're gonna think I'm crazy. You might think I'm crazy already. <laughs> you want to hear? No, no, sure. Okay. Well, so I'm sleeping, sound asleep, and my dog woke me up. 
she was sitting at uh, I, on my feet, you know, at the foot of the bed, and she was staring at something in the hallway. So I just looked at her where she was gazing at down the hallway, and I'm still in this house. I, I don't, I can't believe I'm still here after this happened. Anyway, and there was a huge wolf standing in the hallway. Big, wow. black, huge, big, you know, burly big, and yeah. very muscular. And he looked at her, he was extremely intelligent, and he looked at her like, you woke her up. It was so <laughs> horrifying. The only thing I know, the only thing I could do was grab, now, now I have a, a smaller dog now. Poor little Ava. Anyway, I grabbed Ava because she was paralyzed. She did wake me up, though. So I grabbed her, and I, as any, you know, good person that scared would do, I hid both of us under the covers. I put her mm-hmm. on my chest, and I put the covers over my head, putting the big bad wolf would go away, and we both fell asleep for like two hours like that. Really? I was, I was stunned. Yes, I was stunned, but I went to sleep. So... A week later, I'm interviewing Linda Godfrey, and she does all the cryptozoology, and she's written many books on the monsters of Wisconsin and all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of that's why I asked you where the location of your wolf was, because there's a lot of stuff creeping around out there, and uh, she's near where the kettles are in uh, Wisconsin. There's some weird land formations out there. And uh, she swears there's Bigfoot back there, but uh, there's a lot. She started her career because she was reporting on these dog men and stuff like that and all these wolf people. But when I told her, I said, okay, I had a weird experience a week ago, and I told her what I just told you. And the the weird thing is that I would fall asleep for two hours straight in the same position holding my dog like that. And then I woke up, but she said, this is what she said, a woman was in her kitchen, and one of those wolves walked right by. A big, huge wolf. Yeah. I mean, just like walking like a person. But she thinks... Upright up, up on two legs? I think, well, she said, this is what's horrifying. This is what started her whole career, is that people in Wisconsin, mind you, were saying uh, they'd see these big wolves, the one like you described, it would, but they would go. They were driving by, and they see a wolf, and the wolf would see them, and the wolf would just look right straight at them, jump on its hind legs, and run after them on its hind legs. You know, of course they Great. put the pedal to the metal and got the hell out of there. You know what I mean? And they the, they act the, the wolf the beast, would the act. The Bray Road. That's she wrote I've the heard. book, The Beast of Bray, Bray Road. Exactly. Okay. She's the author. I have read about it. Yeah. Yeah. So now you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. what's happening is she thinks that because it's happening so plus plus that the the wolves never quite catch up to anybody. So it's an intentional scare off tactic. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm gonna scare mm-hmm. you and I'm not really gonna catch up with you. They never really have hurt right. anybody. So she right. thinks because of what I said too, I said, Okay. She didn't think I was crazy, so I don't think I was crazy either because I got to report it right away. Within a week, thank God, you know, synchronicity for that. But she thinks that they're time travelers, like they're interdimensional, hmm. that they, they mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. don't belong here. Mm-hmm. So they're, they come in and out, and they visit, and then they leave. That's why it's so peculiar. 
I guess it's as rational an explanation as any. <laughs> True, especially for the content we're yeah. talking about. And what if, yeah. you know, I know that you have an interest in this. I have a picture of you donned in a werewolf costume. It's kind of unbelievable. It's, your costumes are so great. But um, maybe this this interdimensional travel is what started the whole myth of werewolf and all that. Maybe there were wolves. I mean, it, it could be a, a, you know, an advanced form of them. They evolved, you know, and evolved into a, you know, into a higher, you know, more, you know, by, you know, higher form of existence or something. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, more no, intelligent yeah. because uh, what the way that this wolf looked at my dog, you know, I'll, I'll just never forget that look. Like you woke her up. Was that, was uh, just, was, it was a book what? by Whitley Stryber, and it was also a movie in the early '80s, The Wolfen, oh, yeah. and they were like a oh, race yeah. of, you know, they're of super wolves. Yeah, I mean they're highly intelligent. Yeah, I mean you know, I suppose something like that is possible. You know. Yeah, I've met Whitley, and uh, I wonder what oh, he was yeah. really talking. I wonder what he was really talking about. Maybe he, you know, I've never thought about it, but maybe he was talking about something like this—that such things do exist. Possibly. He he did claim he was abducted by aliens, didn't he? Well, more than that, I mean, he's really has yeah. a ongoing. Contact, contact with something that's that he feels is uh, teaching him about uh, different ways of thinking and life forms and everything else, and uh, it's quite interesting. I was there. I've been I I've been there for his talks a few times, and uh, one time this guy got up there because Whitley just about had it with naysayers, you know, and people that try to put him down in any way he's a published author he's been under hypnosis under he's been uh in therapy he's done every single thing and he's very creative and to somebody stand there and say that he didn't have these experiences man he let this guy have it it was pretty hilarious because the guy started in and he just let him have it i was glad Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, well, he didn't Sorry, put he didn't put up with any baloney, is what I'm saying. And right, right. Uh, it was it was it was great to uh, that even though people are having these unusual experiences, and yet may and maybe it just uh, I always wonder, you know, what's going to happen next because uh, stuff never ceases to happen to me personally. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why it's, I guess, it's better to keep an open mind and remain teachable so that we can learn whatever it is next, you know? Because people are saying Mm. right now that the the existence we have now is actually pushing us to another higher level, that we have to let go of the way what was and sort of uh, transform into what will be the new new things. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, could well be. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I I can't really say anymore, but yeah, it is, uh, 
it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. It is. It's uh, as we're all you know made to stay in our house. It's very very strange that it's almost like we're being put on a timeout so we could think over a few things. Yeah. And so, my dear, um, to move on to the next issue, you have a book that you now you have a book you're working on, like right now, Dance of the Dead. And have you published it yet? If all goes as planned, if my cover artist delivers tomorrow, it, I'm taking it over to my techie friend, just you know, just in case I run into any tech issues or anything. If all goes as planned, it will be published. Yeah, you know, it's well Sunday. I mean, it you know, there's usually some you know, when I when I upload it, you know, Amazon does some kind of little review of it. I guess to make sure there's nothing, you know, too offensive or anything. You know, you know but that's which has never happened to me. Yeah, it should be available, you know, next week by Monday oh, or cool. later in the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I really had to stay on her, and of course, uh, I don't know some things she draws. You know, I asked her to. And, I don't know if she draws like some. I asked her for a couple more zombies in the background. They look like little stick figures or something. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> what the hell? Come <laughs> on, man! <laughs> I know. It's, uh, uh, well, you, I don't can, know. <laughs> you can always revise that book cover. You know, it doesn't have to stay that yeah, way. Yeah, always... and I probably will at a later date. But <laughs> just yeah, just, yeah. It'll, in case you it, don't it's like going it. to be a cover. And it, it, it's going to be a cover. It'll serve for the time being, you know. So I just, I mean, it, it looks it looks decent for the most part. I'll, I'll send it, you know, just to, to give you an idea of it. Uh, yeah, I'd love but, to yeah, see just, it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, just a little bit about it. I mean, you know, Dance of the Dead, it's, you know, as far as it's, uh, like, it has a more simplistic storyline than uh, Blood and Black Roses. So to kind of make up for that, I... I, uh, you know, I kind of up the gore and uh, nudity quotient a little bit, you know, and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a little, you know, I don't know how far you've gotten with Blood and Black Roses, but you, you there's kind of some shadings of grays to it, if you, you know, if you know what I mean. So, yes. Yeah, I mean. Oh, you mean the sex thing? Kind of, well, no, not the necessarily. Sex, it's the bar, sort of the, the bar, and the sex and the vampire thing. Well, not necessarily. It's like you know the between you know the conflict with Michael and Marguerite, and they're battling over Heather Swing's you know body and soul. And but you know she's kind of been down on her luck lately. Okay, Marguerite had a lot to do with that. She kind of arranged that. But uh, you know, so one might think, yeah, maybe her becoming a vampire wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, you know what you know. But you know, on the other hand, does on the other hand, does Michael really care what happens to her? Does he just want one less vampire to deal with? <laughs> He's kind wow. of in his own way, just as ruth, just as ruthless as she is. So you know, I don't, I don't know how far you've got with it, but he he tends to be a bit savage when destroying vampires. So yes, yes. Um, um, I still have to finish, and uh, I'm guilty of not finishing it. I'm I'm getting ready to get another yet yeah, another hospital visit, so. I've been a little distracted okay. this week, but it's I, just going to be a, I know. It's, I don't know. So, so I'll be okay someday, I guess. But, um, right. uh, I'll so send you, you my find, I'll send you as much positive energy. Please, because I'm, sorry, I'm scared. I'm scared this time. 
because I now I know what they're going to do to me, you know. The last time right. they put me in the bed, strapped me down with these big white restraints, and uh, put a spacer in my eye. I swear to God, it's like a cyclops thing. They threw a whole thing over your whole body, and you just have a hole where your eye is, and they put a spring thing in for your eye. And then you're awake, and they take a... Uh, scalpel and they take your old cataract out and put a new one in and you have to watch it the mm. whole time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. I, I'm uh, now that I know what's going to happen, you know, I'm, I'm actually petrified, but I have to do it because uh, I'm really glasses don't help once you have cataracts, you know, no. like my, my left eye, I can see fantastic. But they already did it, so now I got to do my right eye. So uh, I encourage everybody, if you're listening, don't be scared just because I said that. Because you, I, I have to get it done, so I am going to go and uh, go get it done for my own sake because I want to be able to see. Because you, cause, uh, when you have a cataract, you cannot be corrected with glasses anymore because you won't be able to see. It's like, exactly. it's like looking through uh, a filter. You know, yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's, it's very difficult. So thank you. Uh, I've been worried and distracted. So anyway, now I want to say your name again, Jeff Patrick. Now, is your book under your name, Jeff Patrick, available on yeah. Amazon? Amazon Kindle, yes. Okay. So would you like to read some of, some of your book for us? Sure. I'd like to hear it. Okay, it's right here. It's Michael. He's just arrived at the burial island of Isola Morgana, and he's looking for the uh, a friend of his son, Jared Bowles, who's gone missing. And he decided the first place to look would be the caretaker's house with the adjoining cemetery. So here we go. Okay, all set? Yes. All right. Michael decided to check out the house first, though it was immediately obvious to him nobody was inside. There was no sign of forced entry. The front back doors were locked up tight, and the windows were boarded up from the inside. So without further ado, he turned his attention to the graveyard. As he approached, an odor with with which he'd become all too familiar hung heavily in the air. It was a smell of just open graves that had been sealed for a very long time, and there were a lot of them. Eyes narrowed, jaw tight, shotgun in hand, Michael made his way to the cemetery gate, which was slightly ajar. The gate to eternity, he remarked to himself. The gate made a harsh metallic groan when he pushed it open, and he was inside. Almost immediately upon entering the burial ground was was it clear to him that the dead did not rest easily in their graves. In fact, they didn't rest in their graves at all. Michael pumped his 12-gauge, breaking the eerie silence of the graveyard, and proceeded Onward, as silent as a fog. Nearly every grave he paused had been violently disturbed, littered with rifled earth and bits of tattered, mildewed cloth and shattered coffins. But what was most unsettling was that the graves had obviously been disturbed from the inside. Not a good sign, he muttered grimly. But it wasn't the vacated grave that troubled him. He'd seen that countless times in his line of work. What did trouble him was the large bloodstain he discovered at the base of one particular tombstone to his left with several broken teeth scattered about it. He guessed the stain to be fairly recent, like maybe a week old, and the teeth were unmistakably human. Really not a good sign, he amended. This discovery seemed to cast very little doubt as to the fate of young Jared Bowles, but he couldn't confirm that yet. 
So the dead had risen from their grave. That much was obvious. The only question on his mind now was, where were they? He got his answer sooner than he could ever expect it. As soon as he rounded a dingy mausoleum, he could see that on the other side of the graveyard, a large section of the fence had been trampled down. His curiosity aroused, he started toward the area. As he did, he noticed a small tree and rise to his right, in which a half dozen graves arranged in a semicircle had, had clearly been left undisturbed, unlike most of the other graves he'd seen so far. Still, he didn't think the matter warranted any further investigation as, at the moment. But then he felt the ground suddenly buck beneath his feet. He instinctively winked his head toward the semicircle of graves, just in time to see the ground at each of them swell and heave. Then a half a dozen worm-eaten coffins shot up from the soil to stand on them momentarily, where the lid swung open and their occupants came staggering out. Draped in tattered burial shrouds, they had skull faces, bony bodies, and withered gray skin. Their hair was stringy like dried seaweed. Arms outstretched, the zombies immediately went for Michael. But he stood his ground regarding the walking dead as they were nothing no more usual than a person crossing the street, and to him they probably weren't. He waited until they were within the most effective range, then jerked up the 12 jerked the 12 gauge up and opened fire. His first blast cut the nearest zombie in half, literally. He immediately chided himself for not aiming for the head, but then he quickly rectified the momentary lapse in judgment when shooting the remaining zombies. So with each successive shotgun blast, the zombies had exploded in a shower of pus and worms while their headless bodies remained standing for a few seconds before toppling. Then Michael looked down and saw the upper torso of the first zombie he'd blasted, bisected between the ribcage and hips. It was walking on its hands, trailing a length of severed spinal column like a wriggling tadpole tail. Michael let it move another foot or so before raising his left leg and bringing the heel of his heavy boot down on its skull, crushing it like an overripe melon. With that momentary distraction dealt with, he once again headed over to the section of fence that had been trampled down, preloading the shotgun along the way. There was a steep hill just beyond the fence, and right as he paused at the top of it, he could see two more zombies at the bottom, shambling toward the woods about 50 feet ahead of them. But they suddenly halted as if sensing the presence of the living, turned unsteadily and started up the hill. Michael calmly and casually sheathed the shotgun and unshouldered his crossbow. Taking less than a second to aim, he let two bolts fly in massive succession. His first shot speared the zombie right through its empty, near-empty eye socket and came out the back of its skull. And his second shot caught the remaining zombie in the throat, disjointing the neck of the vertebrae, slicing the spinal cord, practically decapitating it. The zombies dropped like sacks of manure as Michael made his way down the hill and squatted on his haunches to examine the ground. The zombies left a trail in their wake that was easy enough to follow. It pointed in the direction of the southern point of the island where, the Dark Angel noted grimly, was where the rave was taking place. Evidently, the walking dead had somehow sensed living flesh on the island and had shambled forth to find some to feast upon. Michael shrugged. Well, while he was reasonably certain that there were few people at the rave he would personally have much use for, with the possible exception of a certain Itali- attractive Italian-American girl, he was at the same time the dark angel monster hunter, sworn to eradicate supernatural monstrosities wherever they might dwell, or something like that. So without for wasting another second, he swung the crossbow back over his shoulder, drew a zoozy, and ventured into the woods. The zombies may have been slow, but they would never tire, and they had a hell of a head start on them. I love it. Yeah. Wow. Like it? I love it. Good. Now, where, like some, where, uh, where was this in the book? Where, what part? What chapter? And everything. It, well, this is the this is the one that's coming out. Not not blood and black roses. I know. I was just wondering what oh. what uh, where are we at in the book when you're reading this? 
Uh, well, th- this is page twelve of the original manuscript. It's it's oh, cool. not, uh, yeah, it's it's early in the book. Yeah, so yeah, so there's yeah. going to be about a yeah about a hundred and fifty pages where that more where that came from. So yeah, I love it. It's it's great. And, oh, and uh, the, the, Go ahead. I was wondering, what I was wondering, is there any part of romance in this story at all? Yes, there is. You uh, the, mm-hmm. you caught the reference to the the, the attractive Italian-American girl. Yeah, he meets exactly. one Nina. Yeah, Nina Capodice. He, yeah, she, you know, he, he rides on the boat with a handful of ravers that misses on a fishing trawler, a bunch of ravers that miss uh, the boat to the rave and Nina's among them, and all the others are like, "Yeah, stay away from him." You know, he's a, but she has the guts to actually go over and initiate conversation with him, and they kind of bond over it. And yeah, he meets her again at the rave as the zombies are attacking. You know, so she's a feisty female, not 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 really a damsel in distress like Heather Swain in the uh, the original one. So she actually cool. does when one zombie attacks, she. She removes one of her spike heels and actually drives it into the zombie's throat. So it doesn't really do any damage, but yeah. Cool. That's a good, good girl power, finally. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it, uh, without saying too much, it does escalate into something between Gene, uh, the two of them. So, yeah. I love it. It's great. Thank mm-hmm. you. So much for for sharing it and reading that with us too. And what's your process? What makes you start writing, and what where is this coming from? Well, uh, it's just kind of really the whole. I mean, as far as writing this, or just writing in general. I just you know as well, a you. child, I was a yeah. I, I was you know as a child. You know, even from birth, I was always fascinated by, uh, you know, I, I always enjoyed the monster movies, obviously, you know, horror movies the, and old ghost stories and vampire and werewolf legends and such. And uh, also, you know, comic books and uh, pulp adventure and <laughs> rock and roll, obviously, we've already covered. And uh, when I got a little older, hot chicks or <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. So, the, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I consider the... the the Dark Angel Chronicles, or as I call it collectively, Dark Angel, the Michael Patrick Chronicles, it's very much a love letter to all the things I thought was cool as a child. You know, as I was thinking of grim and gritty heroes, you know, scary monsters, you know, you know, rock and roll, you know, beautiful women, and uh, you know, well, okay, I'd say lots of blood and guts. I'm not, I'm not actually <laughs> not a big major gore hound. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but I don't. You know, I mean, if if it's relevant to the story, yes, but I don't have it just for the purpose of having it. You know. Well, I, I love what, what you have uh, so far, and I can't hardly wait till the book comes out. And uh, what you were reminding me of when you were bringing that up is that I, I do love uh, the vintage uh, pulp uh, scary magazines. And one of my favorite graphic artists is Frank Frazetta. And uh, I do have Frank some Frazetta? of those, Yes, I do have some of oh, the, yes. the the original comics with the werewolf and yes. with the, the with the women, you know. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the women yeah, were, were done in such a way. Yeah. Yeah, 
and he's, he's, he's done a lot of artwork for like the Conan novels and stuff. I would have loved, loved, loved if he. I would have loved to have seen his take on yeah Michael Patrick. I mean, that would have just been exactly. Wow. I started thinking about that's what I was thinking of what Dan. That would have been great, and uh, I was thinking about his take on the women because I collect the ones that I like the best. You know, I I have mm-hmm. I think a cu- a couple of his the Yeti those snow white snowman guys. Yeah, but I did yeah, not prefer. Yeah. But I have the a Wolfman, and I have a. I just have to look look at what I've got, you know. But I have about the six werewolf of them, one. But I, but I love them. Like a, yeah, it's like kind of like a period piece, and the the werewolf is like standing on like on a hollow log, of, of looming yes. over some guy. And yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. God, I've seen that one. I, I shared it on my Facebook, tum, uh, not Facebook, really? Tumblr blog. So many times. Yeah, yeah. You ought to check that out. It's it's you know, it's it's kind of eclectic, you know. I gotta, I gotta look yeah. at that. It's uh, so where? How, how can people find you on the Tumblr? Uh, well, I'll send the link. It's for if you. If uh, the the title of the blog is well, the URL is it's Grimskull at Tumblr dot com. The title of the blog itself is called Death's Dark Angel. That down so you can read that. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> so it's um really uh. Uh, exciting. Um, I was wondering if you were into Frazetta a lot, and and, and he has uh, somebody has his all his stuff. He you know has since passed away, but oh yeah, they have a gal. they have a gallery. But I started collecting his stuff. Um, you know, early on, I wish mm-hmm. I had him out. I'll take a couple pictures you know- and I'll send them to you. Yes, please do. Um, okay. Do you know the animated, the animated film from the early '80s, Fire and Ice? I don't think so. Explain it to me. It's uh, well, it's uh, you could say about the closest thing we have so far to an animated Conan movie, but it's it's based on Frazetta's artwork. Uh, it's you know, Fire and Ice. It's kind of set in some like you know. Primitive time, you know, barbarians and whatnot, and you know the the main bad guy Necron. He's the Ice Lord, and he's oh, yeah. commanding this glacier. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, what I was telling you about those. Uh, I don't know what was I thinking? Like there were Yeti or the Ice People or the the. I think I have one of those. But I like the ones with the girls yeah. in them, so. I don't right. know. It's kind of so. Well, it can't be. You know what I mean? That's what I like about it. Yeah. It's a. You know, he has an exaggerated sense of the artwork and all that, but he did some pretty crazy stuff for the, with the wolf scenarios and all that. I, I just love it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I wish I would have brought had it at hand, so I would know what know what to say what I'm talking about. But anyway. So we no, I would so recommend what, you. Exactly. That's what I'm going to do. I, I, would, so, I would recommend Fire and Ice yeah, for any fan of Frazetta. And those comics were so cheap. I don't know how much they're going for now. I think you still get them a pretty good deal. Yeah. You know, but well, I can't oh, I can't keep collect I can't keep collecting. You know, how much crap can a person collect? That's another know, thing. Wendy's when do you stop? That's the whole thing. I, right. Yeah. I, I don't have the. I love stuff, but I don't have. 
I don't know. It's like you need a whole extra room just for whatever your collection is, you know, and I don't have that space anymore, you know, so I sold a lot of stuff, you know, but uh, I did keep a few things that I like, especially the the Frazetta comics. Nobody's getting them. Yeah, the, that was a trend. Yeah, uh, are you talking like Frazetta? Uh, yeah, he did the cover for like Vampirella, I remember. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think he he did stuff for yeah, creepy and eerie and. Yes, I have creepy. I think Cre- uh, a few creepies, maybe an eerie, but <laughs> I love I love all the uh, the graphic. I was into you know I go way back into even. Not only those scary uh, pulp uh, comics, actually. I don't know what would you call them, comics? Mm, yeah, weren't they? I mean, the black they and comic? white ones. Yeah, they, they were technically comics, but they were printed in a magazine format. That's because of the early, the mid '50s, in the wake of the you know Tales from the Crypt, and you know they were all afraid of the uh, you know like contributing to childhood delinquency and stuff. So they came up with the Comics Code Authority. And it forbade the depiction of like vampires, werewolves, you know, ghost witches and stuff in comics. <laughs> but uh, so, but it was actually Warren public publishing, you know, cre- they they, actually, they figured out a way to bypass the comics code by printing these black and white comics in a magazine format. So, I think I even have I think I even have one of those. I, I you know, it's just uh, I go I went I well when I studied in college. It was art, but I was really mm-hmm. when I was a young and a teenager, I always did art. But I, what I really wanted to do was uh, create, um, you know, vinyl record albums and oh, nice. uh, do the art. Yeah, to do the artwork on that, and then uh, I ended up like going Derek to school. Riggs. That was my, that. Yeah, that was my dream. And what happened was. Um, I ended up going, just getting an art degree in, in graphic arts, you know, but I ended up doing a whole bunch of other stuff. I had to go get, I had to go get a job. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I ended, so I ended up, darn it, I can't find the, I can't find where I hid, I hid them because you can't have your magazines out. I had, I used to have them out, but I can't, you can't have them out anymore. They start fading. So I have them. I have them inside a glass cabinet now. Yeah. Yeah. So a Horror Hound magazine. I, I was just looking through it the other day. Horror Hound magazine. It was like back in 2011. They did a, you know, it's like a showcase of the year 1981. And they, uh, Derek Riggs. He did. A, he was the artwork. He did most of the artwork for Iron Maiden's albums. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because that's what I was. That's what I was always into. Is I used to. What I did, because I'm the child of the '60s, I know you came later, but um, I would draw on every, what not much later, yeah. But we were uh, on every bit of paper scrap available to me. I would draw on it. So if I'm sending a letter to somebody, and it would usually be my cousins because we were all into writing back then. So I would do the whole back envelope with all my uh, drawings and stuff. And so they started begging for my art. And it was so much fun to do that. And I actually found a letter from my one of my cousins asking for, can you please do that again? And I guess when they 
wherever they live, they didn't live in California, so uh, they thought it was really cool from wherever they were from, you know, a small town somewhere. And uh, yeah. it was so, it was just so much fun coming up. And uh, but then I was into the Mad Magazine situation too. Yeah. I don't know if you ever yeah, got into that, but I did. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, I have several issues. Yeah, Mad Magazine. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't save any of them. I wish I did. But I like those spies. Those, those two. Those two guys. I, spy versus. Spy versus. Yes. Spy, yes. Yeah. yes. Spy, they even had a Nintendo spy. game with them. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the eighties or whatever. Yeah, for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, I, I didn't know about it. My friend, uh, he was. He he got all the obscure stuff. I mean, he wasn't you know stuff. I, a lot of stuff. I, but they were all good. You know, they were all good games. I mean, you know, I mean, they they actually did do a spy versus spy game. Yeah, you know, where you know one two players, one player you know controls the other, and they just kind of you know each fight kind of tries to outdo the other one. Dang, I didn't know about this. I missed the yeah. spy versus spy. I was in with uh, kids playing. What did I do? I played Wizard and Warriors, and me, I was working at a hair salon, and uh, me and all the girls were into Zelda. I don't know why Zelda, we love Zelda yeah. so much, but we love Zelda, And uh, but now the graphics are so fantastic. You know, it's like nothing oh, compared yeah. to what we used to except, think was great. It's nothing. Except for me, they don't really look like video games anymore. They look more like movies, and I don't know. Exactly. Maybe I'm just getting old, but... But my head, I just kind of like, you know, when video games actually look like video games. Now, the 2D side-scroller type game that's like Castlevania and stuff like that, that seems to be making oh, yeah. a bit of a comeback. A couple a couple of games, like, what was it, uh, Sling Back from Hell and uh, uh, Valfaris. They're like a, one's like a horror fantasy, the other one's like a horror sci-fi thing or whatever. And they have these excellent have these uh, death metal type soundtracks to them, you know. So, cool. Fact, uh, the They're coming that, back. The guy, the guy who does the soundtrack, uh, it's a. They're not. They weren't a very well known band from the '80s. A Celtic Frost. Yes, I yeah, remember them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the guitarist for them is, is, does the soundtrack. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of often what I'm listening to huh. now when, while I'm writing, you know, for like a, cool. you know, like a hard boiled action scene or something like that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you know, I said, listen, to, yeah, we we, uh, we kind of mentioned that, you know, what I listen to, what I write to get in the zone. It's, it's typically like, you know, a lot of like, you know, Rob Zombie, Pantera, Typo Negative, uh, but I also listen to a lot of Moody. Uh, yeah, some, uh, I can't really what you would, Ambient, something like that. Like, I don't know if you know what mm-hmm. the NPR radio program, uh, Echoes. You ever heard of Echoes? I don't Echoes? know that, no. Yeah, no, but tell yeah, me about that. Yeah. Mm, it's, it's 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 a radio program. It's on two hours. Uh, well, for here, it's like they have it like three different episodes. It's on a few times a week here. They like play all three episodes. Like it's on Saturday night. I catch like the last hour of the last show when I'm driving home from work. But it's uh, uh what is, uh, ambient music. Uh, they call it or electronic chamber. You know. Yeah, I've been listening yeah. to a, lot of, a couple of John Carp- John Carpenter's albums. He, they were showcasing John Carpenter on there one time because he did he did he actually did the soundtracks for the Halloween movies at least for a couple. Of wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I've seen and I've that, seen those actually, credits. Yeah, and I've uh, even been listening lately to uh, like on YouTube to some you know enterprising artists. They've done like heavy metal covers of the musical score to uh, the Terminator, uh, Conan the Barbarian, RoboCop. I mean, those were all epic soundtracks. And of course, you know the my because I prefer the hard rock to be metal. You know, <laughs> but it's only becomes yeah. even more so for me. So yeah. Dang, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, actually, when you were when you when you were reading your your uh, the excerpt of your book, uh, Dance of the Dead, uh, I was thinking of it set in a movie, you know, or or some kind of the scene, a set to music or something. I was thinking about that. Good. That's kind of what I'm aiming for. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Like kind of a moody, like I was uh, yeah, like what I was doing, like during the creepy scenes. Uh, Slasher Dave, he's an artist, he's a musician in uh, uh, Michigan, I believe, and yeah, one of it's just called Graves, you know, and that's uh, yeah, it's you know, it's just got a real ominous, you know, sound to it, and uh, you know, like you kind of have to hear it. It's a little hard for me to describe, but it's very, very eerie, very gothic, you know. I don't know. I love. I love that. It's uh, it's very dramatic when you think about this. You know well, that yeah, sure. uh, we're talking well, about drama. Like, I'd love to. I'd love to hear it. it it's like uh, I'm thinking about. Uh, it's not as operatic, let's say, as Meatloaf would be, because he's a rocker. No. But he kind of tends yeah. to go way out there in the opera zone. Even though I do yes. love him, I do. You know, and I always have a place for meatloaf in my heart. You know, but he does go a little bit operatic for me sometimes. Very much. Oh yes, very much so. <laughs> I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing intrinsically wrong with it. Just, yeah, nothing so. wrong with it. You know, but it makes me wonder. You know, he has to have some theater background to do that. Is what I think. Every time I, I hear yeah. him sing, I love to hear it. You know, but didn't uh, I read somewhere he was? Uh, he was one of the. I guess. Uh, when they were looking for a new actor to play the the Phantom, you know, Michael was it Michael Crawford stage production yes. of the Phantom of the Opera? Oh, yeah, he was one oh, of the. Oh, he could do it. Old. Yeah, he could. He would then, be a little rough. Yeah, they, a little. I, I, I guess I, I think I think Paul Stanley was one of them too when Kitts was doing like one of their first farewell tours. <laughs> they did several <laughs> more tours after that. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. I can see that. You know, because yeah, Paul Stanley is kind of like that when you think about it. Yeah. He's well, he's kind of a, very showy. Well, they are. They're very showy. You know, they're yeah. uh, they're, yeah. they're they seem to have some serious rock going on, but they're very showy I, people. In fact, I kind of think that was always the key to keep kids of success. I mean, I like their music, but I don't know if it's necessarily. I mean, I hope. I hope nobody gets offended by this, but yeah, their music, I mean, it's good. I don't know if it's necessarily anything exceptional, but their stage shows, their stage presence, yeah, it's it's awesome, yeah. Well, it's especially Gene Simmons is crazy. He just yeah. was so far out there that uh, you have to admire him because uh, he's really the standout. You know, everybody everybody's good, but Gene Simmons just stood out as a little demon he is. Yeah. He's he's also a big horror and horror movie and comic book fan, so I feel yeah. like I would probably hit it off pretty well. So. 
I think so. And then he has all that collection of all his stuff that's unbelievable. You know, beautiful, yeah. beautiful way he has it set up with all those glass cases and all that. You know, that that would be a good way to store all your stuff. You know what I mean? To have it showcased and then taken well care of. You know, that's why I just don't get, I'm not getting stuff anymore. Because <laughs> I like, yeah, I'm sure. not, because I can't take good care of it. Just let it stay with somebody who can take care of it, you know? Right. So, anyway. So, what's next on the agenda? Uh, I'm really going to be getting to work on Carnival of the Damned. That's the next one in the Michael Patrick Chronicles. It's, uh, you know, where he deals with a, a, a carnival that's kind of been, well, every, been traveling through all these towns. It's the Bradbury Brothers Traveling Carnival and Freak Show. And, well, every time it leaves, you know, every town in Every town it comes to when it leaves, the town is never quite the same. Well, most of the inhabitants are listless. Some of them are missing, you know, so Michael's kind of been on their trail for a month or two. And, you know, but kind of like when he's just, when he's getting close, they pack up and leave. So, but then they come to his old hometown and my old hometown of Mokina, Illinois. And uh, cool. that's where, that's where the confrontation begins. Yeah. Wow. So that's your next one after this one? After Dance of the Dead, Carnival of the Damned is going to be the book three, and then The Wolves of St. Boniface, that's a werewolf novel, is going to be four. Well, gosh, I'm looking forward to that. And then, uh, of yeah. course, you can find everything on, uh, well, they can say Amazon now, can Kindle, people, yes. Amazon Kindle, uh, and then uh, how, how do they find you on Amazon Kindle? Why don't you tell them that again? Exactly how do they uh, find your books? Uh, well, just I have an author page. Just look for Jeff Patrick, uh, um, or look me up on you know Jeff Patrick. I mean, my it, I have the same picture of that as I do on my my Facebook page. So yeah, author, and I guess probably would you know just say Jeff Patrick, uh, Blood and Black Roses, or Funeral Feast, or something like that, and that'll that should take him right to the author page. And all my currently available works are are showcased there, are listed there. Wonderful. That's great. So that's uh, that's where you can find your book. And where the your book is going to be the newly published Dance of the Dead by uh, Jeff Patrick. It'll be in the – where hopefully it'll be in Kindle this weekend. We're hoping for Sunday. And, um, We're hoping, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I, 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 to my detriment, I waited so, for somebody to do something for me, and she said it was on its way, so I kept waiting. So I waited like a month later, and uh, she never did send anything. You know what I mean? I mm. cried too because I, I was. Go ahead. It, it, part of it is my fault. I, you know, there are things I need changed on it, and you know, I mean, she. I can't always answer because she usually gets me on Facebook, and my my phone. I have trouble getting Facebook on my phone. I mean, it's that has kind of slowed things down. And of course, you know, this whole pandemic didn't help anything. So, but you know, we're well, getting there. We're sure. getting, we will get, yeah. yeah so that's done this good. Weekend and there's, there is pretty much nothing left to do. I mean, there's very little Great. left to do on it. Well, we should look it, forward it to your very, new book. It will be very soon. Yeah. I'm sorry. We yeah. should look forward to your new book. That's the dead by Jeff Patrick. It'll be available on Kindle and you can find him on Facebook. 
under Jeff Patrick if you want to Facebook him and, and uh, follow him for all the new upcoming uh, shows. He's doing a, a new uh, – tell him what you're doing, what you're doing. You're doing something for Halloween. Uh, Halloween, yeah. I need to – well, that's – yeah. Yeah, we are, we are getting close up. to that, aren't we? Yeah. It's, com- mm. it's coming up fast. I don't know if anybody – yeah, I don't even know if anything's even going to be open. <laughs> I know, huh? Around. We don't know if we're going to uh, – it's starting to feel a little cooler here because we have been baking our brains out. But I noticed last couple of nights it's getting a, a nice cooler feel to it. So I'm looking forward to fall, and that's my favorite time right. of year, and I know it's yours too. And I hope it opens up so we could do something for Halloween, but I'm not sure. It's not looking yeah. too good. Yeah, but it's – well. It's not quite so bad here in Tennessee, but, uh, yeah, it's still a lot of places close early and stuff. But what I can tell you is, yeah, I, my, uh, my my Halloween horror marathons that I do, you know, always the first week of October I do the Halloween 1, 2, and 3, and then uh, Trick or Treat for that week. Then the following week it's uh, the Universal Monster Classics. I usually do a double feature each night, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula and the <laughs> Mummy, uh, oh, yeah. Wolfman, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and uh, the Black Cat and the Raven, those two that Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi did together. Oh, love and, it. And then the third uh, third week is 80s horror. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, the ones that are a definite must are The Shining, uh, I do a double feature: The Howling and American Werewolf in London. And the Howling, yes. as I mentioned last time, is is my favorite monster movie of all time. So, uh, it's Fright so, Night, it's the original so good. Fright Night. Yeah, and of along with American Halloween Werewolf without... in London, you can't hardly beat the soundtrack for that one. No, I, I mean I, you know, I like it, but it's it's kind of always struck me as, in some ways, as like Bride of Frankenstein and The Lost Boys, for that matter, as a Horror film for people who don't like horror films, but you know it's oh, kind of like it jumps, you know. So I like I the Lost Boys. Now knock that off. <laughs> I like the Lost Boys too. I think it's a fine film, but you know, I, you know, they're kind of catering to the MTV crowd at the time, <laughs> back when MTV oh, actually yeah. played music videos. Yeah, it was the '80s. Okay, it was really '80s. Yeah. So no, I mean, no, I, I love the, I love the film. It just, you know, it just it was dreamy me, for like, the time. To to me, the original Fright Night is much more of a traditional horror film. That's all. Me too. I, mean, I agree. I totally agree things. with you. Because Fright Night have, you know, was uh, with Charlie uh, as a poor kid that knows everything's going on that nobody else does, and uh, of course, uh, oh, the famous Roddy McDowell. Roddy you know, McDowell. Yeah, that, yeah. You know who the original choice for you know who the original choice for that role was, right? Who? Vincent Price. Well, of course. Yeah, but I mean, he, for he Roddy McDowell's part. He he was. I guess that's who the director wanted originally. But I guess he was Vincent Price was either sick or he just didn't want to do horror anymore. And yeah, so no, don't even. I mean, Roddy McDowell did a fine job. I I thought he was excellent. He role, did do yeah. good, and uh, Chris, uh, what the Sheridan did absolutely Brandon. fantastic. Sheridan. Perfect as yeah, a vampire. Was, yeah, was, I love the dance scene. Yeah, it's the sexiest thing about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah I always, of course, you got you to gotta, 
gotta watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street around Halloween, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not the not the sequel thank so you. much, but I, I love the original one is still awesome. So. Yeah. That's well, thank a, you for reminding me then, of Fright Night. So I'm gonna start with Fright Night and then work my way around to everywhere because it's then, uh, uh, yeah. The next week of October is I next week of October I kind of do an Anything Goes kind of thing, you know, like Night of the Living Dead, Sleepy Hollow, Scream, you know, just uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and then I close it out. Then I close it out once again with Halloween, Halloween Two, Halloween Three, and Trick or Treat. <laughs> Halloween reminds me of my kids for some reason. Because <laughs> uh, I met, um, what's her name? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And of oh, course, yeah. she was an adult. And, you know, she she was really young in that movie. But uh, she's really big on women's causes and everything else. But that's why it reminds mm-hmm. me of my kids, so that whole era, really. Yeah. Just yeah. stay at home and being scared. So you about yeah. ready to hang it up for tonight? I'm afraid so. I kind of need to get going. I got to start heading over to I know. work. Reality beckons yet again. But I've I've really enjoyed my time on this show, and I I would really like if you have me on there again. Something not too. We'll distant. have you on again because we'll go through a, we'll go through another book, and uh, we've got you know millions of stuff things to cover, and it's been wonderful to have you on the show without any interruptions. That was nice. It almost it did it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like being professional when I have you know it's, that's crazy the technology yeah. of these days. So I wish you all the best for tonight and uh I wish you many, many happy nights and days and for you and your family. And I, I, I good luck on your your new uh creative uh writing and I, I really appreciate you coming on the show again. Well I appreciate you having me and I will send some links to some of that some of the music I was telling you about and uh the my Tumblr page and all that other fun stuff. Please do. Thank you so much, and you take care. Thank you. And God bless you and yours. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. God bless you. God bless you, too. Okay, bye-bye. So that was Jeff Patrick. Uh, Wonderful having him on again. And uh, he he works nights, so he had to get back to work. And um, he's in Tennessee, and he enjoys the company of his family and his dogs. And he's living the life out there. And... um, we wish everybody all the best, and we look forward to reading his book once again, Dance of the Dead. It's going to be available this weekend, and then it will be published on Amazon Kindle, and we're so looking forward to that. So next week we'll have another exciting guest, and I really appreciate you for listening in. And uh, just remember, the paranormal and the sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard, and we appreciate you listeners very much, and we wish you all the best, and stay well and safe during this uh, still corona lockdown. California is still locked down. I don't know how you guys are doing, but um, California is okay. Um, we're a little sick of uh, just being indoors, and uh, some people are getting creative. Uh, the movie industry is starting to pick up and doing stuff online, you know, but a lot of people are still out of work and out of jobs, so hopefully uh, we'll get this virus under control and we'll all be able to be able to hit the movies in, in the restaurants and see our friends and do all that soon. So also keep me in your prayers. I have to 
go get a COVID test on Sunday, and then I'm getting my surgery on Tuesday. So keep me in your prayers. And we do have a, our Sunday um, Bible study this Sunday. You're reading First Jude, and I appreciate it, y'all. And I uh, want to thank Jeff Patrick once again for being on the show. And uh, God bless you, everybody. And uh, you're never alone. Just remember that. Just remember, we just got to keep each other in our prayers. And uh, I think of you guys all the time. And no matter where you are, no matter where you're listening from, I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning into the show. And just remember in my thoughts and prayers. And I wish the best for you and your families. God bless you all. Bye-bye.